pull up the bar stool. Welcome to yet another edition of the Social Media Pubcast. Really, really happy to have on the show this week Heidi Cohen. Heidi Cohen. Man, uh, she's someone I've been reading uh, for the last couple of years. She actually just celebrated her 1,000th blog post. She's been on the Social Media Examiner Top 10 list two years running. Uh, we're going to get to all that, but lots and lots of reasons to listen to what she has to say. We're going to talk a lot about blogging, blogging strategies, how you can be successful with your blog. So make sure you check it out. Uh, before you get there, uh, before we get there, I just want to make sure you know about new ebook I just dropped. Completely free. I partnered with Shortstack, so it's beautifully done. It looks really, really nice. Um, uh, just it's all on Facebook advertising. So it's how the pros use Facebook advertising. And you can get that just by going to facebook.com slash John Limmer Digital. And there's a tab right underneath my cover photo for that uh, ebook. Click on that tab and then you'll be able to easily just uh, download it. That's it. You don't have to provide your email address or anything this time around. You just have to like my Facebook page if you don't already. So go ahead and check it out. This is the first ebook I've generated in the last year plus. So really happy to do that. All right, so sit back, pop open a drink. Let's do it. Hey, everybody, John here with JohnLoomer.com and John Loomer Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast, where each week I invite a different friend to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to have my friend on the show, marketer, consultant, public speaker, blogger, two-time member of the Social Media Examiner Top 10 Social Media Blogs list, Heidi Cohen. Heidi, how you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I've actually got my uh, social media is the new marketing mug out, and I've got a mug full of coffee. Mug full so of we're coffee. ready to rock. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, you know the you know the format. So each week we, uh, it, it's like we're sitting out sitting at a, a pub. Now for me, it's like twelve thirty in the afternoon. I guess this is like the extreme uh, version of happy hour. But uh, two thirty in the afternoon for you and your your you, see it should be me that's drinking the coffee at two th- at uh, twelve thirty in the afternoon and, and you drinking the beer, Heidi. Uh, you know what could I say? <laughs> we, we uh, I you know I'm a kind of a lightweight when it comes. to to what I call refreshing beverages. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we wait till at least 6 o'clock in this household before we break out the Cosmos. Gotcha. But, well, today, I, in honor of Heidi, because you're out, you're out in New York, uh, I'm drinking a Dundee Stout, which is a, a New York beer. They, they say it's New York, at least. Do you even know what Dundee is? You uh, no, oh, exactly. I no, I'm not up on beers. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, you got someone who's got a limited tolerance for alcohol, so yeah, like yeah. vodka works. And after that, <laughs> you know? that is fine. You can be my sober driver today. Okay, designated driver. <laughs> That's right. Cheers. All right, so man, uh, yeah, I'm so happy to have you on. Like I said, you've you. This is the second time second year now in a row i believe that you've been on the social media examiner top 10 list um and i've had a bunch of the people who are on last year's list now people who i followed pretty religiously um and really kind of drove me during that last year 
a really par- big part of why I feel like I'm on that list this year. So just absolutely thrilled to have you today. Well, thank you for reading me. I appreciate any readership, you know, everyone's readership, which has gotten us to the point where this week we're celebrating our 1,000th post on HeidiCone.com. Yeah, I was going to mention that was the first thing on my list. I was going to bring that up. I think that is, that's incredible. I mean, I, my blog now has been around for a couple years. Going on a couple years, we're about to hit that anniversary. And I think I'm around 500 posts. So 1,000 posts. How, how long have you had that? had your um website up okay i actually opened the blog the, here's the thing i actually blogged for about six months before i opened it to the public mm. um and unlike most bloggers i had actually been published uh, regularly i had been a regular clicksee columnist since 2004 i op- and matter of fact i thought in 2006 i was late to the game for blogging and actually waited to 2010. I opened it to the public, I believe, August 2010. Wow. So, so. It, we're, I'm different than a lot of bloggers who have just started this, and they're still trying to, what I call, walking in the desert, finding their way. Yeah. Um, I actually had something, uh, I had been writing regularly. So I had a bi-weekly column, meaning I re- wrote every other week, for clicks today, sometimes a little bit more frequently. If I, co- I sometimes covered for other people, so there was a gap. Um, I had a whole, I, what I had learned is the format for writing, so that was an advantage I had. I had a voice. Hmm. Um, addition to that, I had been teaching for between five and eight years. Hmm. So that I, I um, had been a professor at NYU in one of their master's programs. So. From that perspective, I actually learned what it taught me, not just what I taught my students, is how to take a complex co- uh, concept and make it simple enough that some, someone can follow it, which is where I got the, the idea of moving that onto a blog. And um, in 2010, as I said, even though I had been publishing for a long time, it took me a while to be willing to pull the trigger and actually make, not just publish, but publish in a way that made it public. Sure. That said, I also would would say that I had another blog before I had Heidi Cohen. I have a I had a blog related to um, my hobby, so I actually was testing mm. ideas, and I was able to write about them from that perspective. So, in other words, you you knew what you were doing when you got started. I, I really had no clue. Um, well, I say I would. I would say is I wouldn't be go so far as to have the hubris to say I knew what I was doing. I would say I had. <laughs> Right, I, that is really you know it. What I had was, and it's very different once you go to the point where you hit publish on a blog. Whether it, you're doing it on a blog, you're doing it on a video, you're doing it on a podcast. Yeah, you are actually have become a you know you're creating your own media entity, and you now become responsible to not just yourself but to an audience. And that part I did, I, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a, you know, in the newspaper business. I actually had seen it from the business side when I was, you know, as a high school graduate. Mm-hmm. So I did a local newspaper in New York City. Um, and I also, my last full-time position before I started doing consulting, teaching, writing, speaking, I was the head of the online division of The Economist magazine. Mm. So that I've actually, and I now work with a lot of 
a lot of media entities, more formal, traditional media entities. So I had seen that part of it, but there's a very big difference from moving from one to the other. So what I, as I would say, this was kind of the point I was making, is that I had a voice. I understood how to write an article and what I needed, to, kind of a structure, right? I've had yeah. people like Nick Kellick, who runs Listly, come and say, well, you're the queen of lists. Mm-hmm. But that was partly because I had figured out a, a formula that worked for me. It doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Yeah. Cheers. I mean, when I when I see your posts, it's very unique, uniquely Heidi Cohen. So first of all, anyone who's not familiar with you, they're they're crazy. But they, just go to HeidiCohen.com, um, and your so your content just provide background, uh, content marketing based, helpful. Lots of lists, dense with research, lots of linking to to uh, that research and to prior posts that you've written. Um, extremely helpful. So it's not one of those posts where someone can sit down and stream of consciousness right in thirty minutes. Your 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 no, posts... I do not do a stream of consciousness. I by design. I kind yeah. of think of it as. Uh, the the other thing, you know, so I would say what I bring is that I, I grew up as a marketer. I grew up as a traditional direct marketer. Um, had spent, you know, I have worked for a lot of the major, you know, global companies. So, you know, I worked for, um, you know, Citibank. I've worked for Bertelsmann. I've worked for The Economist. I've had clients that are of that kind of level. But I've also worked with small startups and smaller firms. But what happens is what you have to understand what I learned, and I think this is part of where I've transformed what I know before into what I'm doing now, is I must say that teaching, what I, what it taught me the first year or so was invaluable, that you, how do you break down concepts so that someone who doesn't understand the concept can grasp that concept, take what they've learned, and then apply it to not only their the point you're teaching them but to apply it to a wide range of business for integrated marketing it was very targeted these people came the students were there and they were either currently working or looking to make a career switch so after a thousand posts has your style or format changed much since post number one i'd have to go back and look at what (laughs) post number one was i guess i should have checked that out not but the reality is i don't think so I mean, yeah. there's there's some variation. I would say that where I might differ is, I at least once a week I cover a number of topics. Uh, I'd say I cover social media, mm-hmm. I cover content marketing, I cover blogging separate from that. I do mobile and I cover social, uh, small business, and some of that grows out some topics depending upon what's important or of more interest. Um, I would say that I've kept my formulas fairly constant. I, I, I have a topic that I'm going to write about. At some point during that topic, I am going to, might give a, an example or whatever, and then I'm going to give people actionable tactics to follow, mm-hmm. to bring it home. Um, in that regard, no, I haven't really changed. As my ability has to, to, there are things that have improved over time. My ability to craft better headlines is really important. Yeah. Uh, use of better images, uh, those kind of things, yes, I have. Uh, but some of the things I've learned were based on what I've done before. So I was very fortunate that before I started blogging, 
I actually worked for an established publication. I had editors who read my content and made sure that it was on track. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can, that shows through in your content. It's very, very polished, very structured, very helpful. Um, and yeah, you've, you always have those lists and those action, action, actionable uh, steps that you can take. Um, very helpful content and always a catchy headline. You do really well. Uh, that. Well, but the headlines, I actually, there is one. I'm not sure if um, the name off the top of my head. I have two or three on how to write con- uh, how to write titles. Uh-huh. I also actually have done a number of roundup posts where I'll say, here's a list of 50, here's a list of 100 titles that at least work to get people thinking about how they should create their titles, what works. But there are a lot of ways that one can figure out how. I think the big, one of the biggest challenges is that not only bloggers, content marketers have is how do I keep the funnel full of content absolutely how do I not repeat myself Um, how do I get to that once whether it's once a week or five times a week or seven times a week Um, research from HubSpot shows that you should be blogging two to three times a week to get the power of or get you about 75% of the power of blogging multiple times a day which is very hard to do if you're doing it on your own. Um, what you can do, I believe, is have you want to set up an editorial calendar. And you can use WordPress has one installed. I have a piece on how to write an editorial calendar. But you want to think about what your, you know, what your goals are with right. your blog. What are you trying to accomplish? And I mean, it may sound very mundane and everyone does it, but you need specific goals. A blog is not a business. It is a publishing platform and you should have some goals. Are you looking to, and the most common ones are building your brand, acquiring new customers, supporting sales, support, you know, developing a professional platform. Cheers. Let's talk a bit about uh, blogging strategies. Since, I mean, you're very, very successful at what you do plenty to learn from you here so you have shifted a bit recently and you had mentioned the the hubspot report two to three times per week uh, even even more than that you have been publishing seven times per per week now you're going five times per week is that right i mean what's the thought process yeah i actually pulled back slowly um Mm -hmm. partly you know partly due to um out uh, for personal reasons um, so I had pulled back to six days. I actually stopped publishing on Saturdays. gave mm-hmm. me a break. Um, to me, Sunday had been an important one. I always wrote about blogging on Sundays. It was correlated with participating in blog chat. I think that it's run by Matt Collier. And blog chat is at 8 p.m. Central Time on Sundays. It's a great place for anybody who's looking to find out more about blogging and to work it within a community. I will uh, give you the caveat. It's probably one of the fastest moving chats mm. on Twitter. Yeah. But, the, you know, and what happened is I decided to, and I was fortunate, I found that it didn't have as much impact on my traffic as I thought it would have. Mm. And I pulled back to five times a week. If all I was doing was one blog, I, and this was the, the only job I had, I'd be able to do it, still do it seven times a week. But there are people who differ. Yeah. For example, John Morrow, whose blog, I believe, is Boost Blog Traffic, something like that. 
he's worth Googling. He has the most amazing, one of the most amazing posts that he did for Pro Blogger. He's um, a member of the editorial team at Copy Blogger. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this is someone who believes in writing one amazing post and only publishing when you have amazing content. And his posts are long. Yeah. Neil Patel, who also... Oh, yeah, really, really long posts. If you listen to some of his stuff... Neil Patel um, has started a couple of businesses, started in the SEO business. He's got, he runs a company called Kiss Metrics. Neil Patel is his own blog, but he puts out amazing content. He does it about five times a week. That said, the, the caveat is he, I do believe that he gets help with the research and the polishing of mm. it. And you do all of your research? I do everything myself. I do have... Um, a webmaster who takes care of most of my technology issues. Um, he also does the editing. So I get my most of I'm, you know most of my posts get at least one edit. Cheers. Okay, so you have you have a, a publishing calendar. Um, how far in advance do you write a post? Do you, do you have themes for each individual day? I usually go on a, a more general. You know, it's not what I would uh, I would say. I go on a more general calendar so that each day of the week has a certain topic that I tend to stick to. Mm-hmm. I cover, you know, as I said, I cover social media, content marketing, um, blogging, mobile, small business, or the ones I'm focused on. It, and I tend to do it based on the, the day of the week. I am not I am not a great believer in you know newsjacking or going on yeah. current current themes yeah. um i was moved after uh gabrielle giffords was shot and i was really amazed that i had a couple of people who decided they who actually had the nerve to say i'm commenting here because you know, i can't comment on my own blog and i i deleted those comments they were just rants hmm. um and i have actually unless there's something really big and there have been a few incidents where i had to stop and say this really needs to be addressed yeah I- the newsjacking is a pretty popular thing. So that's basically just, you know, writing about the popular things going on in, in the news. Think you'll get more traffic as a result, uh, thought being, um, because it's a, a hot topic. It's not something I do either. Well, what you have to do, what, well, let me just Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's not just newsjacking, because newsjacking is very specific. There's yeah. a book ad, um, the term was coined by David Meerman using news to and, and finding a hook. It's not just taking the news, it's finding a hook and leveraging that to your advantage. Right. You really want to think about it, you know, and it can work well. Uh, Stanford Smith does a great job of using musical icons to create as part of his titles and his hooks. He mm-hmm. does a great job of that. I think it's much broader in terms of what are current trends, mm-hmm. where take advantage of using that by applying that and making your own commentary more interesting, right? Right. Um, you know, for example, when I was writing Click Z during the Bush, the, you know, it was during the Bush era and he had the No Child Left Behind. Mm-hmm. I did a, a, a spin on that and I called it No Customer Left Behind. Everybody right. knew what it was about. I didn't really refer to Bush at all, but I used that kind of way as a hook just to get started writing the article. I think every blog post should have some kind of a hook to it that sure, gra- sure. grabs people, pulls them in. Where possible, you should use a really interesting photograph um, and 
because people are, you know, we're visual beings that pulls people in, particularly if it's got a person in it. Um, but that's kind of what you need to do from a hook perspective. Newsjacking by itself, you want, don't want to be a me too. Yeah, and, and, and that is a that is a problem, and it doesn't necessarily build on it. Right. It work well in instances, for example, the old Spice guy, right. which did an amazing job. This is about 2010, where Old Spice. Now, this is a P&G brand which has problems. I mean, its name is Old Spice. Its name got has old in it, and they created content and made the content, their media, talk to other media. So it got, you know, Ellen involved. It got other people there. And it drew people in because of how it talked to them. And it made their, it, I mean, unfortunately, the, the one thing they did wrong is they also had a pricing promotion going at the same time. So that up front, it appeared on um, ad agencies. Well, it moved and dial a certain amount. And the reality is that they also had a pricing um, promotion, so it made it hard to figure out what did. But they did a great job of being the news. They picked a very low cycle. It was around the 14th or 15th of July. Nothing was going on. They could make a huge splash. And they, they used, they created media, and they talked to people online. And yeah. they did things that were talk-worthy. Yeah. And, it, uh, and I was going to just put it in. Ahead. It's not my book, but... Um, Jonah Berger, who is a professor at uh, Wharton, has a book out called Contagious, which is really good if you want to find out how ideas move and flow. Oh, good. I'll, yeah, I'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, one of the, the challenges I find with with newsjacking, which is why I've, one of the reasons why I've never really gotten involved in it, is I, I want my content to be as evergreen as possible. And I, I know you, you take this approach most of the time as well, so that you can reuse it. Um, continue to get traffic in the future and it'll still be relevant and uh, when you news, news jack the the, the hot, hot topics going on uh, currently uh, the danger is that you know six weeks six months from now that that reference that you're you're making is is no longer as relevant that's true I wouldn't see here's the thing I would say that there are and bloggers need to think about is this really more content marketing but you know content marketing and blogging are tied together mm-hmm. a blog is at its core a, a cms or content management system it gives you a way of publishing data it's it's special it's been around for the, the since the late 90s it can take any kind of content so just like the, your blog has blog posts that are text you have a video and you have podcasts you're using all of those entities. Right. It's yeah. great. It creates a home base. It also provides search optimization. So given that like little intro, what a blogger and a content marketer wants to think about, regardless of whether you're a solopreneur, <clears throat> you're B2B, B2C, not-for-profit, is there's not, not to, because I don't, I think focusing on newsjacking by itself is, is, is gives a distorted view. There are five forms of content in that when you think about temporally and how to fill out your editorial calendar. So to your point, there's Evergreen, which I would call major pieces of content. Brian Clark of Copy Blogger calls them pillar content. Mm, yeah, yeah. When you start, you want to think about making sure you're covering all the major areas of your topic or niche, and you want to plan those out. 
So, for example, on my blog, one of the things that I didn't realize was going in, I started thinking about some of the basics of marketing because I had been teaching interactive marketing. I've been teaching social media so that I had a, a lot to talk about, and I had been writing about this for a good four to six years before I started blogging. Hmm. But you want to think about what are those topics. And one of the things I found was I, I started – I have two or three – things where I define, I ask people help to help me define marketing and PR and those social media, content marketing, those are still my most read topics. But you want to think about that in terms of evergreen and ongoing, but evergreen can also mean, for example, if you're a retailer, you've got back to school coming up. What content do you need to help people with a dorm room? What it, it, For many retailers, this is like a number two after Christmas in terms of seasons, or it could be a specific, it could be Mother's Day, it could be Halloween, it could be whatever holidays or promotional events are important for your business. Yeah. Two is what I would call quite the opposite, the opposite, it is the trending topic slash news tracking. So it's not just news tracking, sure. it's making it for a specific purpose, there's something some news out there that you really need to talk to that's important to your audience or important to you. I'm a great believer in not, you know, that, that what I write about is not necessarily have a lot of my personal life in it. Heidi, I feel like we're writing a blog post right now. Do you have these things just constantly streaming through your head? These lists? I mean, you're naming it off right now, so you get you already got oh, two. I, you know, it's, the way I, it's the way I think. And I just gave a I – I have been writing about this and talking about this. Yeah. So I was going to still say that there's three more people. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What are the other three? Okay, so we got the, 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 the pillar content. You've got the trending content. You've got what I would call um, – reuse which is what you talked about or yeah. repurposing that you've got to be very careful it doesn't mean you recycle it you use the same thing over and over again you do not want to have duplicate content it's the todd wheatland one to 20 ratio mm. so you want to do what ann handley calls reimagining content yeah okay that's three four is curating content which is becoming bigger that's things like the the scoop uh, the scoop leaves or the paper leaves mm-hmm. or scoop it or paper leaves but how do you take other people's it's your weekly roundup it, mm-hmm. oftentimes it's what I do for my blog in terms of my newsletter and how do you po- you know you, what what do you do but you must it, well, curation does not mean you copy it I don't never I, I must say that I have this my, my webmaster is pretty vigilant and yeah. going after people who try and take my content and right. get take down notices for them um, but it is giving a link or giving a paragraph from somebody's content and then creating a reason for doing it. Right. Who, uh, who's blogging what, which we've both been on their list, is a great example of it. Um, the Smart Brief publications also do a great job of curation. Yeah. And the last one is what I call co-curation, but oftentimes it's best if you're in a business to get you can use it to reach out to experts in your field or you can use it with your um consumers yeah absolutely. So those five things that i think help and you want to think about it because that helps you spread out that issue of how do i keep writing and producing content without burning out then that is a really good lead into my next question heidi cheers you write so much, but it's not just that you write so much. Like I said, you're not writing these stream of consciousness pieces. 
You're, there's all kinds of research behind it, lots of work going into it. How are you avoiding burnout? I know that's one of the biggest questions most bloggers have. How do you avoid burnout? Yeah. Um, you want to make sure it's probably similar to almost every top blogger I've heard about one is you've got to keep you first of all you've got to keep writing mm -hmm. right and any strong writer will tell you that it's a habit um you can find out about that in julia cameron talks about it in the artist way or in the other book um writing down the bones is that you write every day it's a matter of building up what i call writing muscles mm -hmm. okay uh so you do that you once you start thinking about it i've heard cake uh, Kate Gardner, who's actually uh, blogs for um, Mason Dixon Knits, says it's a matter of she took a break from it. There's two women, one who lives in New York, one lives in Tennessee, and they have this blog that they do together. And they've written a couple of books together. And Kate took off a period of time, and she said once she started coming back, it's how you see things. Mm -hmm. So I believe it's that you got to keep a list of titles going. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to write you've got to write what you have in your head and get it down because if you think you're going to have it tomorrow or when you sit down I would say probably not we're, we're you know people have too much to do these days they have too many devices etc you need a way of, of capturing that whether you're talking to your smartphone and having it recorded you're writing it on a piece of paper the old-fashioned way or typing it out do you start with that content going? Evernote's really yeah. great for that. Um, and you keep those lists. You take photographs. I mean, if you're able to use your own photographs, that's really great for getting inspiration. I go back to doing a um, an editorial calendar. You know, you, sitting there and crafting ongoing regular posts means mm -hmm. you have to think in terms of how do I fill those up. Right. When I was writing for Click Z, I had there. I wrote a column called Actionable Analysis. I believe that that was not what they envisioned when I started doing it. That they really wanted me to get into the nitty gritty of how to to analyze the, uh, how to analyze the very what started out as in, interactive marketing, but or digital marketing. But I I made the column my own by saying, okay, here's what's hot in marketing today. Here's how you should be thinking about doing it, and here's what you do for measuring it right every column had to do how to measure it but because I, I use that to build it and think in my own way each blogger has to think in their own way about how are they going to develop content what are the topics that are critical I and mean, you can also use the Marcus Sheridan approach of just answering every oh, question. Yeah. I love that I love that because you can make such a long list of of topics you could write about just by an answering a simple well, actually, question. Marcus has a client who did that, it answered a hundred, compiled a hundred questions and answered them in five hours. Yeah. But that is, you know, one way of doing it. You've got to think about where, you know, but you shouldn't be writing, you know, if you've got a blog, here's the thing. It's, that's how you're avoiding burnout. One, sometimes you need a break. Yeah. Sometimes you need a vacation. So, you need to have that backup. There's going to be times that, and there's going to be times I actually was quite amazed. When I looked at my data, I lived in New York. I was affected by Hurricane Sandy. No, you know, I ran out of my, I had a couple of posts in it, it put aside. I, I published them. I had some access, but I wound up with three or four days where I just couldn't publish because I had no access to mm. electricity. Right. 
it came back, you know, if you're losing for that, that's, you know, that's reasonable. There are other things that were way more important during that period of time. But you've got to also think about, well, am I going on vacation? All right. And during the points that I have been doing the blog, there are points where I have left. I've been out of the country. I've been on a speaking tour or whatever where I've had content um, set up and ready to be published. So I think that you can do both. And I think that if you're getting a hard, you know, the question is, are you just sick of blogging? Do you just need a break? Everybody needs, you know, people take vacations. It's not just to save that time so that maybe they'll pay you at the end. It's you need a break. Yeah. Those breaks for me, though, they're a little dangerous. Um, I think of... Last year, why are they dangerous? Uh, let, let me explain. Let me explain. Uh, may, maybe because you live in Colorado and no. go skiing, they're dangerous. No. But no, no. You know. here, let me explain. So, like last year, um, I had a very and, and this I, I I strongly advise you have a routine. You know, have some themes for so kind of so you have that expectation every day what you're gonna do, what you're gonna write about, at least a general idea, running list of topics. Great, all those things, awesome. You know, Monday through Saturday or whatever it is, you're writing. That's what I did last year, and uh, and it, I held myself accountable for it. So all the way through the year, I said through December 31st, 2012, this is what I'm gonna do, and then I'll reassess. Um, and I also had some goals as far as getting on lists and all these things to be recognized and traffic and all this stuff. Okay, so I did that. I might have taken two days off from the entire thing, um, and and got got to the end. Uh, then I got to the end, and I'm like, now what? So I, I accomplished it, accomplished everything I wanted to do. Now what? And um, additionally, be, like I said, it was, the breaks are dangerous because I'm such a, a, a creature of habit and a routine. If I break that habit, it's kind of easy to to break it again. And uh, so, so that's I, and I know my, you know my challenges aren't the same as everybody's, but uh, in terms of me writing consistently, um, have, having, you know, last year not ever breaking that habit or very rarely doing it kept me to it. I think it's the, the moment that I start breaking it and make excuses like, I don't need to publish again today kind of thing. And then uh, you start losing that routine a little bit. But so then I came into this year, like it, I was kind of approaching that burnout because it's like I pushed so hard to publish six times, six days a week and to reach all these goals. And then I did it. I accomplished it. It was awesome. I reached a lot of my goals. And then I just, I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> um, That's, um, at which point, sometimes you need some outside. First of all, I, I would say, here's what I would say to this. One, everybody needs a break at some point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, I believe that once you start a blog, and maybe it's because I grew up working for a local publication, which had, you know, had a long history of publishing one. It was a weekly newspaper, which even in today's world where everybody goes digital, weekly papers still have their place. Everybody wants to know, you know, how their kids' little league team is going. And I know I'm talking to someone who um, is highly involved in those things. Yes. But the other part is also, you know, I worked for The Economist where you know it wasn't just a, a 60 it was more like 150 mm. and your publication has to go out and you have a response so to me i feel a responsibility to my readers many of whom i have no idea of who they are 
I wouldn't know them if I walked into them in the street. But there's a level of responsibility. And you've got to say, where, what can you do? Which is why I would say most bloggers underestimate the value of having a list of at least 10 blog posts before you start. Having blog posts that are there as backup. So that, you know, if you're going away, you're covered. Yeah. But you've got to say, which just goes back to my initial, one of my earlier points is that a blog as a goal in, in and of itself is usually not enough. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, unless, and I, well, I do appreciate the fact that a blog can be a personal journal. Yeah. You know, I have a nice Jewish mother. There's a lot of things even my nice Jewish mother doesn't really want to know. <laughs> so you've got to think about a blog. A blog doesn't exist by itself. Exactly. You need to have goals for your blog that are very well grounded, that are aligned with, if it's a personal blog, aligned with your personal goals. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to become a voice in a specific area? It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, it doesn't, well, we're, well, the blogs we do are about social media, content marketing, all of the, the current technology as marketers. They can be a more niche area, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they can they can play off of personal need. You might want to be helping an organization. It can be something that you learn personally, which is what a lot of mommy bloggers do. Right. Um, at, or it can just be there to support your business. But this, if it's not something that you personally have a commitment to and is aligned with your personal goals or a set of business goals, it's going to happen to what you said. Falling off the bandwagon is much easier to do, right. which goes to my point that aligned with this is that you have to build writing muscle. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as showing up at the gym. If you decide to get in shape, you need to, you know, it, you're not going to get in shape by just wishing that you lose weight or that you can do the 50 push-ups or whatever. You physically have to do those over time and rigorously, which is why most people, unlike a blog, most people get a coach, right? right? If you go talk to most coaches in gyms, the time people show up, the only time they show up during the week is when they have a session with the coach because the coach, they're paying money, the coach holds them accountable, right? You don't right. necessarily need a coach to not show you something new every day. Absolutely. Those are good points. And yes, a blog doesn't live by itself. And it's important to remember that your blog has a purpose and it's furthering your business. Um, and it, as such, those strategies really do need to be somewhat fluid. And I probably shouldn't be so rigid because my business has certainly evolved over the last couple of years. And it's, that's one of my issues right now is that as business is booming, it's becoming less and less uh, easy to find that time um, that, that I need every day to blog. So I need to reassess. I really should be reassessing how it is I blog and when it is I blog and how much help I get and, and these other things, so that my business always comes first. But well, that- you've got to say you've got to look at. Here's where I would say that, that what I would disagree differ on. One is I go back to saying it has to do align with your goals. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to do this at some point and say, okay, what are my personal goals? Where do I want to be now? What am I looking at the next six months, a year? next three years, next five years, next 10 years, next, you know, and, and I think that that actually helps and you 
don't want to just think about your business. You want to think about your personal life, your relationships, your family, your health, your spiritual life, your friends. You want to do this holistically, okay, because you don't want to wake up one day and say, oh, my God, what what was I thinking, right? right? And some things are, are, you know, the, the things we have that are really valuable can be very fleeting. Life is really precious. So how you choose to spend your time and build your business is a critical factor, particularly if you're building a, a blog as a, an integral part of your business. So that the blog by itself, it does keep your name out there as a voice. It gets your point of view out there. It actually is a marketing vehicle. It also it gives it also helps fuel social media and therefore i would believe that it's not necessarily just time i spend blogging that's off on the side it should be intricately tied to your personal and your business goals absolutely and those goals while you have you know most people have a hard time or even 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 more established businesses right every every single major corporation i ever worked for always did a regular did a budget once a year they did quarterly meetings and made sure that you were measuring back to what you were trying to achieve. And you can make course corrections. You don't want to be flip-flopping, but you want to make course corrections to say, okay, here's where my business is going, here's what I want to do, here's what's changed in my life. And here's where I'm going to, you know, where I'm making my trade-offs and understanding why you are making those trade-offs. And sometimes even, you know, even successful bloggers or businessmen need somebody else to get some guidance. Last call. Wise, wise words, Heidi. Now, um, I feel like we could talk about a whole nother topic here for another episode, two or three episodes, but we're running out of time. Uh, and I've asked the bartender for my tab. I'll cover your coffee today as well, as long as you get me next time, next time we visit the pub. Okay. <laughs> But no, I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure, and, and like I said, it, I'm just I, I'm I've been happy to follow you over the last couple of years, and, and now proud to call you my friend. And you're welcome back anytime. Sounds great to me. Is now where can people find you, Heidi? Okay, the best place is to read my blog, HeidiCohen.com, H-E-I-D-I-C-O-H-E-N.com. Love to have you join us. If you comment on our blog this week, you can get entered to win a copy of Social Media Networking for Dummies by Eliza Sherman. Or if you sign up and or if you sign up for our uh, emailing, we'll be entered to win a, an autographed copy of Jay Bear's Utility. Ooh. Only uh, caveat there is you need to be in the continental U.S. to win. But that's probably the best way. I'm at Heidi Cohen on Twitter. You can follow me on my page, Heidi Cohen on Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, everybody, please, please check it out. Heidi, you're amazing. Thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, let's keep in touch. Okay, sounds great. Thank you all. You got to love Heidi Cohen, right? Boy, that woman can talk. And I could set up a whole other one, two, three episodes and talk about some other things. Because um, she's just full of information, valuable, valuable information. Someone who's been there, been there and done it, and uh, has tried and true 
process really for generating a successful blog. We love listening to Heidi talk. Um, so yeah, make sure you check her out at HeidiCohen.com. Uh, before we go, now I, I know you love this show. You've been here this long. I mean, what, otherwise you would have left long ago, right? Well, just make sure you go to iTunes, wherever you listen to us, and uh, subscribe, rate, and review. This is my, uh, my plea to you. Please do so. I need you to do it uh, so I can reach more and more people to uh, make this one big, happy pub. All right, so thanks again for joining me on the Social Media Pubcast. Until next time, do awesome things. I'm out.